0: It's Bread and Circuses. It's Caleb Salvatore and Nick Kohler. Listen to that, that clean version
1: audio there. <laughs> we've got uh, we've got two guests with us here to talk about uh, some kind of marijuana laws here in Nebraska. Uh, you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves?
2: Hi, I'm Anna Wishart. I'm a state senator. I represent District Twenty Seven in Lincoln.
3: And I'm Dexter Schroett. Uh I serve on the campaign committee of Nebraskans for sensible marijuana laws with Senator Wishart.
1: Nice, nice. So I guess I. So out,
2: how do you define a sensible marijuana law? Well, for me, I've been working on this issue for three years. The thing that's important to me is that you have public health uh, at the forefront of whatever law you put in place. Um, also, patient, patient access is very important. We want people who are sick not to be accessing the illegal market, but to be able to work with their doctors um, to help themselves. Uh, so that's important as well. Um, So those are kind of the two things. And then sustainable. We want something that's financially sustainable, that can, um, that doesn't have a lot of uh, sort of government spending uh, and money that goes into the bureaucracy to to oversee it. We want an efficient, uh, effective system, um, hopefully that financially can sustain itself.
0: Just kind of to start it off, like, uh, what are some of like the highlights of, of the plan, kind of in place, if it were to pass, as to how it would how it would run and everything.
2: Next, you want to talk a little. Yeah.
3: Bit? Um, so as far as the the actual ballot initiative goes, that we're working mm-hmm. signatures for, which is a little separate than the legislation that Senator Wishart had, um, it would put it into place in the Nebraska Constitution um, that individuals. 18 and over, and then under 18 with approval of a parent or guardian um, have the right to access cannabis and cannabis products and materials for medical conditions, uh, so long as it's just recommended by a physician or nurse practitioner within the state. Um, After that passes, it would then be up to the legislature to create some more uh, sort of regulatory scheme that would allow for dispensaries things like that. Um, but as far as the ballot, it just placed in the Constitution gives you that right right away.
1: So you guys do support it recreationally though?
2: Recreationally is not an issue I've looked a lot into. I think it's something that definitely is a conversation that should be had by any legislature based off of the criminal justice aspect and then also the free market aspect of um, allowing an industry that other states do. Um, but in terms of my policy research, I focused exclusively on medical because uh, from what I hear from Nebraskans, that's overwhelmingly supported. And with the uh, adult use conversation, that's something that I think we need to have more conversations about with Nebraskans. My first thought is the families I've met, especially the kids with epilepsy, my first thought is we need to get something that gives them access so that they don't have to live in another state away from their families.
1: Right. Yeah. My girlfriend's epileptic. So I get that. Yeah.
0: Um, What, what do you think is the biggest uh, hurdle to tackle when it comes to getting something like this passed? Because it really does feel like here in Nebraska, we have a really big generational divide between opinions on whether or not, you know, marijuana should be legal or not medical use or not.
1: So, yeah, what, what do you guys think is the biggest
3: biggest hurdle to get over for it? Yeah. I would, along those lines, it just comes down to education. Um, you know, just telling people the research that is out there, uh, it's coming hard, it's coming fast, and it's, it's difficult for the average person to keep up with, whereas they might be still hearing things of the the past and past rhetoric. Um, mm-hmm. So, the key for us is education, mostly, Yeah. the other...
2: Yeah, I'd say, you know, I was surprised. Uh, I introduced and prioritized a medical cannabis bill my freshman year as a senator. And I took a deep breath and thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get a lot of pushback from Nebraskans. And I've been shocked at how little I've gotten. Like maybe people have reached out uh, in opposition. Um, I've heard from grandmas in western Nebraska. Um, I've heard from grandsons in western Nebraska helping out their grandmas. Uh, cancer patients, you name it. I think we're at a point in Nebraska with so much, with three-fourths of of the states having legalized some form of medical cannabis, that you'd be hard to find who doesn't know a person who's benefited from it. So at this point, we see people lining up to sign from all different walks of life. Our major opposition is from a few powerful people in political office high up um who for some reason or another and i really don't have a good answer why uh are very opposed to this and who will be putting money and uh using their power to to try to stop this from happening
1: gotcha gotcha
0: mm-hmm. so, so yeah big stuff it's it's weird with nebraska because we're kind of just surrounded by states that, states that are going to legalize it that, yeah, yeah. Legalize Iowa it. And,
1: well, i mean iowa's just around the corner you know so colorado
3: you know, Iowa has medical. Missouri has medical. Uh, Kansas has CBD-only medical. Colorado, of course, has the whole kit and caboodle. Um, yeah, we literally are surrounded. And then, of course, Oklahoma, uh, right below Kansas, has a full medical program that's really, been, so far, kind of the best-run program in the country. And they've had really good response.
1: So what what do you think it is that causes the ignorance? Like, why are, why are some people still opposed to it? I, I just don't get it.
2: I'm going to
3: ask Dexter this. Um. I I don't know. Um, So to give a little more, my background is I come from a more conservative spot than perhaps Senator Wishart. Um, So it's still, I just shake my head every time, you know, I hear fellow conservatives um, just blatantly and blindly oppose it uh, without doing much research. And most of the time, you know, they've been around it themselves at some point in their life and they know it's not harmful. Um, I think it just comes down just to the the party split, you know, just willing to oppose whatever the other side is proposing. And that's unfortunate.
2: Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah. I will say, you know, some of our biggest supporters on this issue have been uh, libertarians. Um, uh, and uh, Democrats, obviously, this is in their party platform, but also conservatives who are conservative in the true sense of the word and want a limited uh, form of government and believe that if somebody can grow something that can heal themselves um, and allow them, frankly, to have another option other than the unaffordable healthcare system, um, why, why would we have a government system that prohibits them from doing that? I
1: mean. That's what I've always said is it's like, it's, it's a cure, not a cure, but it's a proven treatment for PTSD and it can help cancer patients. I just don't know why anyone's trying to keep it illegal.
2: It just
3: make yeah. Sense. and PTSD is a good topic to bring up because, you know, most of the time the, the Republican Party or conservatives are often seen as more pro-military, um, but that should be from the start, from when they sign up for the military, all the way until you know, they get the 21 gun salute at the end of their life and it's really unfortunate to see them not support it for our veterans.
1: Right. You're a veteran. You should have an opinion on that. I do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, like the, um, marijuana has been proven as an effective treatment to a lot of mental illness, like anxiety, depression, and PTSD. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, misunderstandings as to how PTSD actually comes around it's really just like a physical part of your brain changing and is it really yeah okay. it, it is and it's uh they found that marijuana actually shrinks that part of the brain that you know causes ptsd's so really yeah i didn't know that no mm-hmm. well, a lot of people don't every day. <laughs> um it, some, well, it can well, it can be a big problem when you have the people that are the lawmakers in your state you know don't don't understand that either or at least here to not understand it it's, you a lot of, a lot of support around here for it. And a lot of kind of like you guys you just don't understand why, why, why don't make it medically, at least, at least medically legal. Like you can have the discussion as to whether or not it should be recreational, but medical it's like, yeah, come on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. Absolutely. Would you, would I, you go
3: any, sorry, go
2: ahead. I would say, um, speaking the veterans have been some of the strongest advocates on the, the, work Mm -hmm. that we've done over the past three years. And just really pains me to hear about them going to Colorado um, and bringing back cannabis. And um, I remember one uh, came to testify and the week before had been pulled over and was facing a potential felony charge. uh, And for the oil, because he brought that back. But the thing is, when you hear his life story and the fact that he was addicted to opioids, which made him uh, abusive to himself and to his family, to be able to get himself off of that, to own his own business now that's thriving um, because he was able to access cannabis um, to help with the pain of, I mean, he was blown up literally in the war. He's yeah. losing a leg. He lost a leg, he'll probably lose the other. I mean, he's experiences so much pain and to have a substance that is so much more benign and helpful than the opioids he was on and then for him to be treated like a criminal in the state for for having access to it when it's one state over it's legal, it's so ridiculous.
1: Yeah. And, that, and that's what sucks is because, yeah, I mean, he's obviously, he's not going to be able to go to Colorado once a week to go pick it up. So he's going to have to get so much of it that it'd be a distribution charge if he gets pulled over
2: with it. Yeah. I mean, for any realistic thing. We yeah. were, we were kind of, uh, you know,
0: when it comes to something getting on the medical marijuana, like, you know, given that it passes and everything, uh, do you, what would your guys' stance be on somebody being on that medical marijuana for whatever kind of treatment it is, if it was some kind of, like, mental thing or something, say, like, anxiety or PTSD, and that go against uh, potentially buying, like, a firearm or something like that, or, uh, I don't know,
1: serving an yeah. office or something like that? That does suck. That does happen to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the firearm thing, because you can't, yeah. I mean, it's on the background
2: yeah the firearm issue is a complicated one because it's a federal issue uh when you go to purchase a new firearm you have to fill out a a federal form um dexter knows a little more about that than me um you know what we did in my legislation was uh write in uh to the legislation some of the strongest privacy protections for individuals as well as not requiring um a registry so that Mm -hmm. people couldn't um for example, in one state, there was a patient registry where the Department of Health and Human Services of that state, by mistake, sent the entire patient registry to a news reporter. Um, oh. Yeah, that's a oh, this nice. is nice. medical. This is a this is a medical system. So mm-hmm. we were really that's like a breach of like, uh, a,
0: Yeah, that's like a, a violation, violation there.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> unfortunately,
3: scary. given marijuana's federal status, um, it doesn't fall under any. Any uh, disclosure laws or HIPAA, anything like that. So that's what's unfortunate too, about the federal government not, you know, acting in any way whatsoever. Um, but I will say the the plan that Senator Wishart had in her bill was probably one of the leading plans in the country. Um, she really took the time to work with uh, some of the state's top gun lobbyists and attorneys knowledgeable in gun law, and you know what they came up with is probably as good as it's going to get until the federal government uh deschedules
1: marijuana oh that's interesting um what all did you learn when you were going over the gun law stuff
2: you know the the main thing for me um was that there is an alternative to having a a registry um and it goes beyond just guns it goes to people's privacy uh their jobs like you talked about um you know obviously if if an employer wants to do a drug test that's their business prerogative um, but having the state have a list of people who are specifically taking cannabis to me when it's federally illegal, uh, I want to protect the citizens of Nebraska, I want to protect their right if if um if we had passed this legislation to privacy. And there are four other states, I think Washington is one of them, that just had a volunteer registry. So you could register uh if you wanted for sort of ease of the system, but if you didn't want to, um then, then you didn't have to. And I, you know, looking into some of those privacy rights, uh, especially with some of the um, the local people who are gun, um, no gun legislation, was re- it really opened my eyes to what we can do as a state to protect privacy.
0: I was, I was going to ask, what do you think uh, is a good examples of states that already have these kind of laws in place? That are good, like good examples,
2: something that we can maybe model ourselves after. Every state, having done this three years now in a row, what was great about this last piece of legislation, and we we looked at every single state, what was best mm-hmm. about that state, and took that from it. So, I'd say no one state, except for maybe, oh, I think Oklahoma, Oklahoma, has done yeah, job, and they're
3: more recent. Um, that just happened in the two thousand eighteen election. Um, but their their program so far is just really off to a great start. So right now, Oklahoma would probably be the model. You know, you got the states that have had it for years, California, Colorado. Um, but I think talking about them unfortunately gets skewed by the opposition since they also have recreational. Um, mm-hmm. so I think right now the model for at least midwestern states uh, is definitely Oklahoma.
1: What did Oklahoma do that was I, I didn't follow the story. Sorry. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, So the the problem with a lot of Midwestern states is they try to make their programs so restrictive. For example, Minnesota um, is really restrictive in who can grow and the conditions um, that it allows for. And what that actually does is it impedes the market. Um, So then, you know, there's not enough supply for the limited people or there's an oversupply. um, So it keeps prices artificially high. So Oklahoma really opened it. Um, their their condition list is uh, decently broad, um, and then they allow for a, a solid number of dispensaries and grow operations, and that helps keep the market low, and more you know prices that people are able to afford.
1: Okay, gotcha. It's not like what they did in Ohio. Um, I don't know if you remember that.
3: Exactly. Yeah, Ohio yeah. would had what like four state-run systems, and that's about it. I
0: think I think if something like Minnesota were to take place, I mean, if for example, fire uh, fireworks sales or anything, a good example is that Nebraskans will go across to other borders. Yeah, Nebraskans will
1: go across the border. Yeah, those fireworks. I mean, yeah,
3: Yeah. (laughs) all the time.
1: Um, Yeah, and that that's an interesting point you brought up about the employers there. So how would that be handled? Like if you're, I mean prescribed cannabis by a doctor, is your employer still able to fire you?
2: Yeah, so we had to work pretty close. Well, for, so for my legislation, um, and actually for the constitutional- uh, yeah, constitutional validation.
3: amendment, yeah, we had it, to put yeah. language saying we, that doesn't preempt yeah. any employer's rights.
2: Yeah, I mean, frankly, it is, it is the right of an employer to determine whether, you know, what kind of um, policies they have in place in terms of drug testing um i think as we move forward as a country and hopefully on the federal level we change this uh, and it's treated on a federal level like medication uh, then we'll start seeing it being treated similar to other medications um, where patients have uh, rights um, to a certain extent about you know if they have epilepsy they need to be able to take that medication Uh, otherwise they're a danger anyway um, if they're operating uh, equipment and they have a, a seizure. So, um, but, you know, one of the issues with with the, with my legislation at least is to get it across the finish line, we had to work with some key stakeholders and the business community really wanted us to fall in line with a lot of other states uh, and allow for businesses to have the opportunity to do what they do now, which is drug test.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, she's exactly right that that's just something that's going to come along as time progresses and you know, it gets uh, more and more normalized and less uh, vindictive. Yeah, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, you
1: know,
3: yeah, less poorly viewed um, country. And we're already on that step. You know, there are some states that you see in Colorado, they're they're stopping testing of their employees because, you know, people are realizing it's really not that big of a deal.
2: Again, I think i think it's also i mean i kind of always try to go back to the free market as well um you know as employers are looking for employees you know if they have a business where somebody isn't operating heavy equipment um you know i think there's just going to be enough uh sort of natural um decision making not to be drug testing people who have cannabis for medical purposes because that isn't a good employee. Um, you know, clearly in other states, it hasn't affected their um, their uh, you know, people's employability. Um, and so I think it'll. I think there'll be just a natural uh, trend towards employers who really do need to test because there's heavy equipment, heavy machines. Uh, you know, dangerous dangerous uh, places on the work on the workplace will continue to test but others will will recognize it um as just a natural part of somebody's um healthcare routine
1: yeah because i've always kind of wondered how that worked because you know in states where it was legal even for recreational type because you know alcohol is legal and i don't know anywhere that'll test you for going out and getting wasted every weekend
0: yeah exactly. yeah i think i think it's rare to say almost but the Military could kind of be a good example, as the actual businesses could just change their policies for it. Yeah, uh, military you pop hot on a urine test for some kind of controlled substance, but you can show paperwork that no, I was prescribed this, they're just right. like hmm, okay, whatever. Okay, yeah. so yeah, I mean, uh, another thing too, like uh, Nebraska is a right to work state too, so if they really want to get rid of somebody, like a, I think it goes well with. Like Nebraska kinda has a bit of a labor shortage as yeah. it is, so like yeah, if yeah, someone's okay. they're gonna get rid of somebody just because they're on medical marijuana,
1: like probably other factors going in on it or something yeah. like that. Especially out in Omaha, though. I yeah. Mean, so
3: yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, given What were you talking about there? Sorry. Kind no. of space on me. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. We
0: uh like Nebraska just kind of has that labor shortage, yeah. and um just like having. The right to work aspect of it go well with like the drug testing i mean i think nebraska like business owners and businesses can kind of change policies where they need to because like they yeah that's they're saying like the free market you know you gotta attract better employees and other states have been able to do it well so why can't we we're not that special
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. Um, and i think businesses will start to recognize too and in like with pain or people who are battling like Parkinson's or MS, um, this opens up the ability of, of them to be as independent as possible and, um, to be able to go to work and, and not be battling, um, their ailments as much. And so actually in, in a lot of ways, you'll have healthier people who are more capable of, um, doing the job and being really productive.
1: Yeah. Does your, um, legislation cover CBD oil at all? Cause I know that's really popular right now.
2: No. So we were very uh, clear to make sure that we didn't get in the way of the hemp CBD um, uh, that was uh, already being uh, legalized on the federal level. And then the state, um, you know, I, I didn't want to get in the way of that at all. So we do allow that in Nebraska if it's if it's hemp based.
3: Yep. Okay. Yeah, that was just recently passed by the legislature in May. Um, so the CBD market is really opened up. And you still see, unfortunately, prosecutors still going after a few stores, uh, but those are based on cases prior to that law going into effect. Um, but that one in Washington County, just north of Omaha, there has been dismissed three times now. Um, so you just you, you'd hope that law enforcement had better resources, you know. Especially, I saw an ad. I think it was Target had CBD or Wal- Walgreens. I think it was a Walgreens ad. You know, so the big stores are doing it why should we be prohibiting our Nebraskan small businesses from pursuing the same opportunity?
2: Yeah, that's one of the, one of the things that's bothered me a lot about Nebraska being, um, so far behind other States, um, you know, obviously patients having access, but the other thing is we have really hindered the ability of local Nebraskans to get into this market and get into the industry um, because You know now a lot of companies are um, you know have got a foothold. They've got their um, business model down, um, and so it's harder as a Nebraskan when you've been prohibited from being part of this market um, to be able to hit the ground running. When in other states, other local uh, local businesses have have grown and had had the time to do that. So. I think one of the things we'll be looking at when the ballot initiative passes in the legislature is seeing if there's a way where we can really support small businesses in Nebraska, um, mm-hmm. being able to get a chance to be part of this market as well.
0: I think it could even benefit just the small town folks and stuff uh, that live out here in Nebraska, because there's plenty of farmland to be able to grow mm-hmm. marijuana out here. And if they're doing it legally for medical purposes, I mean, that's that's good for our economies. Right. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, and I believe that the UNL researcher that researches hemp currently has said that Nebraska is primed to be one of the best environments to grow, it, just because we do have that land, you know, and it's it just grows like any other crop. It's a plant. Um, so we're already set up for success. Um, we just got to give it that last push and get government out of the way.
2: It grows like a weed here, no pun intended. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it really does. Uh, so with that, with that said, have you guys had a lot of support from farmers?
2: Yeah.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. definitely.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. That's this, I mean, I can't explain how, how positive and how supportive Nebraskans have been about this issue. I mean, it is, there is a total, um, sort of divide or, or disconnect, uh, between some of the elected officials who are against this and the majority of Nebraskans who are for it. Um, so, yeah, I hear from farmers all the time who contact me talking about how, you know, they're they want to get themselves ready to be able to um, be some of the growers for this um, mm-hmm. so they can produce it and, and add another um, crop to their portfolio to help in tough times. Yeah.
3: And we saw that with uh, after hemp was legalized uh, this year, unfortunately, it was a pilot program and there was only a week period of applications and there was almost 180 applications submitted. Just in a week, um, and I'm also an attorney, so I've been in contact with people. There's a lot of growing interest around the state. Um, I know a lot of people also didn't put in their applications because there's some questions about seed and that type of stuff. So once it all gets sorted out, um, I think we're we're poised to to really take advantage of of the market.
0: Yeah. Have you guys? Have you guys? Uh I know you were working with lots of different organizations and everything. Did you work with any police and law enforcement organizations to create this bill as well?
2: Oh, yeah. So my husband was a police officer for five years in Lincoln. Um, and when I um, introduced the bill, I actually asked him, like, my way off on this. I just is this really an issue? And he said, absolutely not. Um, they rarely deal with. Um, with acts of violence or crime uh, associated with somebody who's under the influence of marijuana for medical purposes. Um, And so I have reached out to law enforcement uh, and spoken with some out of state and some in state as well. And for the most part, I mean, they haven't uh, come in and testified in opposition. They'd say neutral, which is a really big deal. A really big deal when law enforcement says we're going to stay out of it. So that the Fraternal Order of Police came in and testified in neutral. Um, the State Troopers Union stayed out of it. Now, obviously, the State Troopers Associate, this State Patrol, who is under um, sort of the authority of the governor, um, had to come in and testify in opposition since the governor's stance has been opposed. Um, but I've been really—I'm um, pretty proud of our law enforcement for recognizing that medical uh cannabis is um not something that is a threat to public safety and in fact um, people who are accessing it in the black market who are sick and vulnerable uh, is more of a safety concern than somebody who can go to a legitimate store that's well regulated um, purchase it work with their doctor um you know to me that's a that's a much safer model
3: certainly we've seen that firsthand in lincoln this year um i think every homicide and there has been many but every homicide so far has had to deal with uh you know the black market and drugs and robberies um you know and and some prosecutors like to paint the picture that marijuana you know see it is dangerous but no what's dangerous is the unregulated market uh marijuana is not the cause of any of those people's death Um, so that's just one thing to keep in mind too that's what
1: i've always told people is drug dealers don't card you know what i mean right <laughs> so, i mean that's part of why it's so, so available to kids and it's so much more popular for younger kids now than alcohol is because i mean you got to go into the liquor store and you get a fake id or you find somebody to buy it for you whereas weed, like i said drug dealers don't card
0: let yeah. it's a really big revenue source for organized crime around here in nebraska which we unfortunately do kind of have we, a lot of yeah marijuana oh yeah yeah
2: yeah. And, you know, the other thing, too, is that, you know, law enforcement has limited resources. And when you have black market activity, it's attached to other black market activity like sex trafficking and mm-hmm. sex trafficking and human trafficking. And if we have limited resources in terms of what we can spend our time on with public safety, I would say people going after people who are using marijuana um, to help with their cancer uh, yeah. treatment is not a good priority of, of time being spent by law enforcement. And I'd say most, again, you know, when I introduce moving forward three years, I have not had um, many police officers contact me and read me the riot act for introducing this bill. In fact, I've had a lot contact me and say, hey, you know, my mom's got really severe arthritis and this could really help her.
1: Yeah, and we had actually the head of the Omaha police officers, what's it called? The Omaha Police Police Association. Association. Yeah, Yeah, we were talking to him and he was saying,
0: uh, just about how much it's it's almost like a hassle for them to, have to deal with marijuana related because most of the time it's just some kids smoking a joint or something like that and
1: yeah it's just yeah. more paperwork and everything than they want to deal with and they could be going after worse crimes Actual <laughs> criminals yeah right yeah and i think that's important though to highlight that there some people do have negative effects to it and i think that's what I like that joe rogan brings up all the time is it some people do have a negative reaction to marijuana and it's not for everybody. Um, so that's why I agree with kind of the regulation. Part.
3: Right. Yep, exactly. And that goes back to what we started the podcast talking about and that's education too. Yep.
0: Um,
3: you know, knowing, knowing the limits, knowing how much is too much, um, can go really a, a long way for people who haven't really tried before.
2: Yeah. And you know, again, going back to public, schools, you know, I, Just to me, those that are in opposition, I really want to ask them, like, what reality are you living in, where most of the people who want to access cannabis or aren't already accessing it, accessing it in some way or another, Uh, but they're doing it in the shadows instead of getting to do it in the light, where they're working with people that care for them. Um, You know, we had one uh, gentleman who came in who uh, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer ten months ago. And he uh, came in because he was so excited that pancreatic cancer. When you're diagnosed with it, it's usually a death sentence. Uh, And his doctor told him he would live maybe a year. um, Well, he was going on strong, and he had almost eliminated his cancer. Um, And he used cannabis. Uh, He got it from out of state, um, but he took it the first time, and it did not go well because he bought it from Colorado, and he used it recreationally and. Um, it just didn't it didn't go well so he finally reached out to a doctor in Oregon and the doctor said well here are other ways to take it that may not give you the same effect and he was able to do that um, and it helped him and it helped him keep his appetite and helped him battle his cancer and it's his health and success um, not in totality to using cannabis but it was a huge part in it and just hearing that you know here in Nebraska he can't go to a doctor and walk through the best ways for him to take this while he's battling, you know, stage four cancer. It's just right. ridiculous. And that's not a good public health model because he's yeah. going to get it. People are going to get it at this point. Um, and so now we're just treating them like criminals and they're not able to talk to healthcare, health, healthcare professionals about it.
0: It's right? It seems to be common uh, attitude. I think that one of the things really pushing back on this is like, uh, medical company lobbyists.
3: Is that—is there any truth to that at all? I mean, I don't want to be just spraying stuff
1: <laughs> like pharma conspiracies. Yeah, exactly.
3: I think right now, um, you know, luckily in Nebraska, we have really open campaign finance laws. Um, so I encourage everybody to go to the NADC's website and look for themselves on donations. Uh, but much like cannabis users right now, Big Pharma also operates in the shadows to try to put this quash on, you know, this insurgency in medical marijuana. Unfortunately, they're losing with 33 states already having enacted laws. Um, so it's it's harder to prove, but the the numbers are there if you go look.
2: Yeah, I think the other thing, too, is, you know, uh, the first two times they introduced the medical cannabis bill, the Nebraska Medical Association, the doctors came in against it. Um, And this last year I worked with them and they came in in neutral Um, But for them to take neutral stance, they received so much political political pressure intense pressure from those few politicians who are against this that I could see why um, You know, you'd have to have a really strong backbone um, To go up against that and a lot of people who aren't really used to the political world You know, it's like they they don't (laughs) they're not used to um, getting kind of that level of of pressure. So yeah, it's a tough issue when, um, you know, the governor, the attorney general, and some um, very sort of high profile, uh, you know, uh, powerful senators and and politicians are against it. Uh, It does make it hard for groups to come out and and support and and, uh, be able to withstand uh, that level of, of pressure.
1: Do you think that the fact Nebraska's legislature is nonpartisan is going to help this bill or hurt it? I think it means in the past it's helped and hurt it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, I love the nonpartisan legislature and I think um, this is the one area of that. I've really kind of been let down Mm -hmm. um, by, by the way we work and and the fact that we're so far behind uh, that even like Arkansas Uh, is moving forward.
3: Yeah. And you look at other issues, you know, the repeal of the death penalty, um, giving driver's licenses to to DACA kids. Um, So the legislature can be independent and you would think this would be an issue for them to be independent on. I think, you know, what I would attribute it to with a lot of the senators is just the past rhetoric that they grew up with, you know, Um, and it's just getting through through those preconceived uh, notions.
2: Yeah, I think the other thing too is, it's really hard to be the ones that are responsible for setting up the system. Um, If something goes wrong, then it's like, you're the, the, everybody's pointing at at you for having been the one that set up the system, even though everybody Mm -hmm. wanted it, like, you're the leader. It's hard to be a leader. Yeah, (laughs) that's The definition of leading though, is that you have to recognize that, you're the one that's taking the risk and really pushing for change and um you know things aren't going to be perfect uh with any kind of system we set up um but that's what we were put in place to do is is make these big uh bold uh decisions that help Nebraskans. and that's yeah,
0: really kind of unfortunate that i'm sorry but nebraska just never really seems to want to be the trailblazers, trailblazers. <laughs> when, trailblazers no. when it comes to any <laughs> kind of legislation for anything
3: yeah. And that's why I um, just stressed the importance of supporting the ballot initiative now is because, because Nebraska has that unique system where it's a single house. The, the second house is technically the people, you know, you and I, sorry, but yeah. <laughs> you're a member. Of the <laughs> um, so now the <laughs> house has to, has to speak. And that's what we're doing with the ballot initiative to force the hand of the legislature um, to say enough is enough.
1: So it will be on the ballot then? Well, we, we
2: feel really good that it will be. Yeah. yeah I mean, we have to collect a lot of signatures. We have to collect about 180,000 signatures. The goal is 120, but you're always going to have, you know, people that move and uh, people that weren't registered when they signed. So um, the goal is to collect 180,000 signatures to meet that 120,000 threshold by next July of 2020.
3: Yeah. So make sure anybody watching or listening to this, go sign it. Um, yeah. We got to get it on the ballot even if it's something you might not support at least sign it because that's just what puts it on the ballot. And then it'll let the people decide. Um, it's not a vote for or against, but yeah, right now the yeah. signature collection, but luckily we still have just under a year left. Um, so looking really good. Yeah. And
1: where can people go to sign it?
2: So if they go to nebraskamarijuana.org, uh, which is our website or they can follow us at Nebraska marijuana on Facebook, uh, we have constant postings of where we'll be, but generally speaking, we're at farmers markets, uh, and in, in Lincoln and Omaha, um, you'll find us at a lot of major concerts, um, and then the state fair, we will be at the state fair this year, this year, um, we will be outside of the state fair with petitions, but we'll also be at the democratic party's booth. And I understand that there are a lot of people who want to sign this that are not part of the democratic party. Um, fortunately the Democratic Party did pass this medical cannabis as one of the platforms that they support Um, so they've been gracious enough to let us have a space there for anybody regardless of your political party to be able to know that it's there and you can go sign it Mm -hmm. and there'll be a trained volunteer to help you walk you through it
3: and like she said to my fellow conservatives that might not want to approach that booth uh, (laughs) we'll have people standing outside the fair at all the entrances and exits as well
0: All right, you guys are collecting uh, digital signatures as well, correct?
2: No, we unfortunately we're not allowed to do that. So this is all paper. This is yeah. all just sweat all <laughs>
0: well that's honestly though good because it'll it'll really prove that there was no tampering. where you have to physically go and do yeah. it. So if there's all these people signing. It's actual people signing.
2: So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we've passed fifteen thousand signatures collected. We're nearing mm-hmm. on twenty thousand. You know and this is all through volunteer effort. so thank you to anybody listening who's been a volunteer um nice. this is a grassroots movement to make this happen and we really appreciate your support
1: oh he's got it going across the bottom down
0: there yeah he does <laughs> and we'll make sure that we throw links up we'll throw to links it as it. well just so uh the people that are listening here i mean you can get out there and get your names on the signatures it's really like i think a lot of people really do kind of underestimate
1: how much state politics have effect on their actual lives definitely people freak out about like the presidential election it's like dude, yeah the stuff and you're like that you know the mud board advisor that guy has way more to do with your personal life than the president
2: yeah. Yeah. yes yeah. absolutely <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah um if it so when it is brought to the, or if and when it is brought to the ballot how well are you guys thinking like prediction wise that it'll do
2: I think the hardest part is getting the signatures. Once yeah. we collect the signatures and, and it is uh, on the ballot, I anticipate it will pass uh, well over 60% of support across the state. Mm-hmm. The polling we've done, uh, we did some really significant polling two years ago, um, and it showed over 70% support, and that was a more conservative audience that we polled. Um, yeah. And I can only imagine that it's gotten even more, uh support since then because more states have legalized and more people have seen other people benefit from having access.
1: They're, they're seeing the benefits. You know, like we live here in Omaha and I was in uh, Colorado Springs a couple years ago. Those are the nicest roads I've ever driven on. But like we've got here in <laughs> Omaha is on par with a third world country and there were no potholes over there. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. if we,
0: what do you guys uh, estimate that like uh, tax revenue could be for the state for
2: that, if, if just for medical alone? I think with medical, you're not gonna see a huge influx. Uh, you will see additional revenue come mm-hmm. in uh, and you'll see enough revenue come in that it'll be a self-sustaining system uh, where you won't have to use any additional dollars to, to run the regulatory body. Uh, and then I think you'll have a little bit of additional money and in talking with law enforcement and, and other people um, who are uh, care about public health, uh, we really thought it'd be good to give that money to counties to support mental health services, which would then allow counties to lower their property tax burden that goes into um, supporting those services now. Um, so I do see that it, it could help uh, really the adult use market. Uh, the recreational market is where states are seeing the most significant uh, tax revenue coming from that. But beyond that, you know, with a medical system in place, you are gonna have economic development because you're opening up a new market uh, and regulating it. And so, and you're not, we're not just talking about producers and and growers and and the dispensaries. Uh, We're also talking about the um, inspection companies. Like in Colorado, I met with a lot of those business uh, owners and it's primarily women, which I thought was pretty great. they have like a stronghold on that market right. um, of the inspections of all of the dispensaries and, and, um, and the producers. So then you have waste, you know, who, what's the business that deals with the waste and turns that into something else. So um, you have the medical delivery companies that deliver it to people who can't have access to it. So mm-hmm. um, beyond just sort of immediate revenue that comes in, there'll be more economic development for the state as well.
0: Yeah, that's, there's all sorts of support and stuff that goes into businesses that people don't think about. Them. So one of the big
1: setbacks in states that have legalized it have been that the dispensaries can't get the bank accounts. Have you guys looked at any, work, any workarounds for that?
3: Yeah, uh, there's not really a workaround. Um, California is trying something where it would be. So let me back up. So the, the conflict is with federal law. And given marijuana's current status, and just like we were talking earlier with HIPAA, that type of thing, um, banks are prohibited from dealing with any cash or money that touches things on the Controlled Substance Act. Um, So what other states have kind of looked at, and I I wouldn't personally be a fan of this in Nebraska, especially given our scale and our size, uh, but California, for example, is looking at um, a state-run bank, so marijuana bank, you know, businesses can have banking. Um, I do know that Congress is looking right now to open up banking. Um, It's sitting in the House passed it. It's sitting in the Senate right now. Um, So call Senator Sasse, Senator Fisher, and tell them or your local senator, wherever you're listening to this, um, that you support the Safe Banking Act. That'll open up banking services to the marijuana businesses. Uh, one recent development mm-hmm. is the regulator of credit unions yeah. actually came out and said that they're not going to micromanage their credit unions um, and they're yeah. free to deal with these businesses so that's going to be a huge huge bump to the industry and even here in Nebraska as hemp hemp based um, and cbd based companies start get going, banks are still kind of shy of that type of stuff um, so the credit unions are are poised right now to to enter that market and finally give the financial services and the access to capital um, you know, that's one thing that we don't think about is we think about all the cash lying around, but small businesses need loans also to expand their capital, <laughs> expand their business. Um, so that's an important aspect that they're finally going to be able to, to access state banking can have a lot of unforeseen
0: consequences too. like that, that affects so much more than just marriages, you Mar- know, marijuana yeah. and stuff. Yeah.
3: Yeah, exactly. And, and just given the philosophy of our state, thankfully, uh, you know I agree with this um, I don't think that's something that the government should be getting into anyway um, and I would think the governor would agree given that he doesn't want to grow any of his current um, departments I don't think forming a new one would work well for anybody
2: you know one yeah, the of the, oh, yeah. I was just gonna say uh, one of the benefits that's come out of um, sort of the friction that happens when you have a new market um, is that a lot of local banks Um, have seen uh, who are willing to take the risk um, whereas other sort of national uh, sort of chains have not been Um, it's given a market to some of the local independent banks that otherwise had a really hard time keeping up with the larger um, uh, chains of banks so that's that's been exciting for me to see uh, is that there's an opportunity for small business growth including in the in the banking sector where um some independent banks are willing to take that risk um whereas others are not
1: yeah no i was going to say speaking of the governor why do you think he's so against it is it like is he trying to toe the party line or does he
2: i don't even think this is the party line though that's the thing i mean i have a lot of republican friends including dexter um who will send me polls that have been done um you know, internally with their party that is very supportive. I mean, this is a limited government issue. Right. What really comes down to it. And right. so I don't think it is telling the party line. So yeah. I really don't know uh, where his just, opposition I think is it, coming from.
3: I, I think it comes back to just letting his opponents have a win. And he's not going to do that at all. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. He did I'm, kind of back himself in a corner with coming out so opposed so early on, right out of the gate. Um but you know there's always an opportunity to see the light.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well if he listens to our show now he knows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure he's very
0: well aware of. <laughs> I don't
3: know.
0: There's there's no way that he's not. I mean, that he's not aware of that he's not aware of all the
1: growing support and opposition oh. against him for this. No, like they said, it's just a pride thing at this point. Yeah. Yeah,
3: know. that's what I would talk it up to. I I can't think of any other logical reason especially as we see red states you know set up medical programs and nobody's having issues you know there's
2: we're seeing teen use go down
3: yeah
2: we're seeing we're we're starting to see statistics with opioid deaths decreasing when doctors have this as a tool Mm -hmm. um i mean more and more the longer and longer we have uh with with this legal the more we're starting to realize that uh, the additional benefits that come from legalization beyond immediate yeah. access. Yeah.
1: And, uh, we are approaching our hour here. So do you guys have anything else you want to plug before we go?
2: I just want to thank you two for uh, caring about this issue and, uh, shining a spotlight on it. Um, we've worked with families uh, who've been working on this a lot longer than me. Um, and, um, they're really struggling. And sometimes it's hard to find hope living in a state um, that treats them like we do. And so I really, really um, want to thank you for, again, shining a spotlight on this. It means a lot to them.
0: Yeah. People Absolutely. like me and Caleb's age are just kind of getting into that age bracket right now where
2: we can actually start doing stuff about it. So right. I, I think it's kind of universally
0: supported around our Age group. I've I a really hard time finding people. That I don't are, know. There's in the mid twenties
3: that are against it. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, um, and I would just say, yeah, just find our Facebook page, uh, yeah. Nebraska Central Marijuana Laws, and follow along as the campaign progresses. And please go sign the petition.
0: You guys, you guys have uh, have like maps and everything on there, and just instructions as to where you guys or where uh, people in Nebraska can physically go to. Yeah, can people, people in Council Bluffs come over and sign it too? I mean no, you got no, to be a registered
3: voter. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, as long as you're registered to vote in Nebraska, um, you can sign the petition. Even if you live here and plan to register, you can still sign as long as you go register uh, to vote within the next week or so. Okay,
1: gotcha.
0: And Which to our to our listeners not, that aren't here in oh, I'm sorry. Uh, to to our listeners that are aren't here in Nebraska as well if nebraska can pass this anybody remember can. it starts at the it starts at the state level so if, if nebraska can start this or passes anybody can yeah exactly and that opens it up to maybe more stringent stuff on either fed level or just less stringent than other states so yeah we're yep. always the last one to do everything <laughs> yep. yeah.
2: and if you are listening from another state and want to help out you can always go to nebraskamarijuana.org and donate um you know uh, we run a pretty streamlined uh, campaign, but it does cost money um, for us to print the signatures uh, sheets and uh, for some of those supplies. So uh, we rely a lot on, on the grassroots kindness and donations of, of Nebraskans and people around the country. Yeah.
0: That's good. Small donation stuff, right? From, yeah. Even from people, our, our neighbors over in Iowa, you know, in Missouri, Kansas, even guys down in Texas and Washington and California.
2: So. Yeah, we're fueled by small donations.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, though. Yeah, that is awesome. So it's, it's, it's wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Yeah, for real Brassings yeah. for sensible marijuana laws. The revolution is just beginning, my friends. Yes. good right. <laughs> weekend.